Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to continue the discussion about our broader topic of the week, and that is how should we think about the LGBTQ issues in our culture today as Christians, both from a biblical standpoint and also just as a Christian in the world today. Specifically, we looked at this verse from Leviticus 20, verse 13, which says that those engaged in homosexual behavior should be killed. And as Christians who claim to take the Bible seriously, if we do, what are we supposed to do with a verse like that? And as I brought up on Monday's episode, the key to understanding this and interpreting it correctly is context, and not just a single context. There are multiple contexts at play here that we need to understand to give us a full-orbed picture of what the Bible is actually saying here, and how we should act and react accordingly. So as I mentioned in Monday's episode, there are, if you read the greater biblical context of Leviticus 20, 10 through 16, what you find is that there are six categories of sexual sin, and homosexuality is only one of them. But all were equally condemned with equal consequences because all of them equally break God's good design. And we find God's good design way back in Genesis, where God establishes male and female, and he brings them together in marriage for the express purpose of fruitfulness, of bearing children. And so this is God's intended design. This is what marriage and sex are for. And so anything that uses these inventions of God, these designs of his in a way that he did not intend for them to be used is sin. It breaks his design. And so today we're going to look at another context. We looked at the biblical context. Today we're going to discuss the historical context. Why are these verses in the Bible? And why these specific things? I mean, these, this passage gets into some pretty, some pretty uh, out there behavior even by our modern standards today. Well, the key is to understanding that all these sins are specifically mentioned in this passage because every single one of them were categorically practiced by Israel's pagan neighbors, the Canaanites. Not only sexual sin, like what we see listed here, but also things like child sacrifice and other frankly, demonic rituals and practices. So why did God prohibit them for his people? I can think of at least four reasons. These are listed here in God's law to his people because God wants to prevent misuses of his intended purpose for something by his own people. He wants them to understand what marriage and sex are were created for, and he wants them to use these good gifts within the context that God created them to be used in. He also, I think, 
prohibits these behaviors because some of these behaviors very obviously make it impossible to fulfill God's purpose. Remember, the purpose listed in Genesis 1.28 of marriage and sex is children. Well, at least a couple of these, specifically homosexual behavior and bestiality, make it impossible to fulfill the purpose for sex. You cannot have children out of these kinds of relationships. And so God prohibits them. A third reason is that every single one of these behaviors, by virtue of the fact that they do operate outside of God's intended design, that they cause destruction and they cause pain for those who are affected by them. And we don't have time in this episode to get into the modern day studies, sociological studies that have been done. But suffice it to say that these kinds of relationships, all of them, and I'm not just referring to any one particular one, but that the amount of pain and broken relationships and emotional damage that some of these kinds of uh, interactions and, and sin cause is significant. Obviously, we would look at something like adultery or incest and we could very immediately see the, the pain and the fallout and the damage that this kind of behavior would cause. And God doesn't want that for his people, so he prohibits it. The fourth and final reason I can think of why God would prohibit these for his people is that because the Canaanites were practicing these things, by Israel not practicing these things, it immediately establishes them as different and unique among the nations. And that was very purposeful. God's plan for Israel was for them to be a light and a guide, spiritually speaking, who would draw the nations back to God, the one true God. And by having a good witness, by following after God, and by being blessed as a result, that it would be a witness and a testimony to the nations of who God is and that his design truly is good. So why the death penalty, though? That's kind of a, a big departure from what, how we would think about these things today. Well, we have to remember, again, historical context, a few things. In the Old Testament system, there was no sacrifice that you could give for an intentional sin against God. There were none. The only way to go forward if you committed an intentional, willful sin was the death penalty. And we don't think about it in those terms today, frankly, because we don't think seriously enough about sin. We don't take it seriously enough when Paul says in Romans 3 that sin brings death and that the right earned wage of sin is to die. Well, they took it very seriously in the Levitical system. And so if you willfully sinned against God and rebelled against him with a hard heart, there was only death. Only unintentional or accidental sins could be covered by a sacrifice. And looking at this list, frankly, I don't think anyone could make the case that any of these behaviors are anything other than intentional. 
I don't know who's going to try and say that you accidentally committed adultery. That's just not, that's just not a thing. And so therefore, the right punishment in the Old Testament system for willful rebellion against God's law was death. And it didn't matter how God's law was willfully violated. Just that it was. So there's one more context, and that is the societal and cultural beliefs, which are also a factor in how we should think about this particular passage in its context. So on Friday, we're going to look at that context to bring this whole discussion to a close. 